Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We had leaking and the effects of leaking still going on with Chinese election interference here in Canada and the United States of America. A bizarre story of a 21-year-old National Guardsman bringing American intelligence to their knees and leaking on an online chat room. We have the perfect guest, Carmi Levy, technology analyst and journalist. Carmi, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. I am great, although not sleeping well, because with all this cyber insecurity going on, um, I find myself staring at the ceiling wondering when the next attack is going to happen. This is uh, kind of frightening. Definitely an escalation uh, and something that worries me, and I, I hate to say it, it should worry all of us. Carmen, I've never heard you say that before, but you're right. I mean, it's been a flood. I said dizzying. You just don't know where to turn. Why don't we start with Canada a little bit? We had Hydro-Quebec, and then we had the the taking down the websites. We had the prime minister being asked about this and saying, oh, it's, it's just because of our support of Ukraine, Russia, attacks, and disinformation. We already are kind of tuned into this. I know I am, Carmen, and you and I have talked about it many, many times before. Is this an escalation? as you say here in Canada, though? I think it is. And I think it is tied to Canada's support of Ukraine and, of course, fighting off the Russian invasion. Russia made it very clear early on uh, after their forces rolled over the border that anyone who attempted to help the country uh, would be targeted in various ways, including in the digital domain. And we know that Russia is a major sponsor of state uh, cyber warfare. We know that they're kind of fighting this conflict in the digital space as well as on the military battlefield. Uh, and we know that Canada is going to be on the receiving end of it because of the assistance that we've provided. So no surprise there. Uh, all sort of records, all uh, reports since a year ago, February, have, have been in, in one direction, upward. Um, and this is just another example, another chapter uh, in an overall process that continues to unfold. The, that's the scary news. The good news is, is that the, the attacks that we saw this week, so the Hydro-Quebec website um, being uh, you know, essentially collapsing under the way, the prime minister's website being unavailable, a number of ports, uh, uh, you know, marine ports across the country, our transportation infrastructure, their websites were affected as well. Um, so it sounds unnerving, but the good news here is that it's, it's not really a sophisticated attack. We know that it's coming from a pro-Russian hacking group. Uh, we know that they're using something called di- uh, Distributed Denial of Service, or DDoS. And that is basically it's the most unsophisticated of uh, cyber attacks. Uh, they're not breaking in. They're not stealing anything. No data is being compromised. Basically, what they do is they target a particular website with with a large number of requests in a very short amount of time. Yeah, so, so they just crash it. Is that what you're saying? It, Exactly. It's like a pitchfork-wielding mob showing up at your front door, knocking on the door relentlessly. They don't come in, um, and they don't break in or steal anything. But, of course, it disturbs your life. Eventually, you can't do anything. You can't come and go. And because these websites are being um, you know, essentially hammered with millions of requests, uh, when you and I try to access them, we're unable to because we're, mm-hmm. we're just kind of lost in the mess. So that's really... You know, they're sending a message. They're saying we can reach out from halfway around the world and we can target you. Um, but we're really not very sophisticated in doing so. And, you know, that's about as far as it's going to go. And if that's as bad How do you yeah. know that, though, Carmi? How do we know? Because, you know, I'm wondering if it's a test. Remember, we had the huge mm-hmm. uh, 
breach that happened in America. And yeah. I think you and I talked about it. And, and one of the warning signs was, no, we don't know what they know how to do. We don't know what, what they know how to get into, and we have to wait and see. It's, and now we're seeing it. And as you say, you're correct. I mean, they're just deluging websites. But we know, look at the Rogers outage. Um, we were all exactly. crawling around exactly. on our knees there, Carmen. So we could do a lot of damage. That's exactly it. It's like in this particular case, we kind of got lucky. This, these, uh, these attack, what we call vectors, these modes of attack, methods of attack, fairly unsophisticated. Um, and the individuals who were trying to pull it off, real frankly, not very good at what they did, because in most cases, these sites were either not completely compromised or they were back up and running fairly quickly. The problem here is, is you're right, it doesn't end there. There are all sorts of other ways of attacking. With you know, We're seeing a significant increase in phishing attempts, so messages that we receive that try to convince us, trick us into clicking on a link, which of course can then touch off a ransomware attack, both on our own computers or on the computers of the companies we work for or government agencies. So you know, we know that the level of sophistication continues to go up and we know that they're not going to stop. And so I think that what we need to do is look at this week uh, as, as a warning that we as, a, as individuals, as a country, as a government, as the companies who set up shop here, we need to start taking this cybersecurity thing a lot more seriously and recognize that we live in a pretty scary neighborhood and that neighborhood is getting scarier by the day. And we better start preparing ourselves for it because it is going to get worse. And if we don't, then we're, we're at increased risk. All right. I'm glad you said that, Carmi, because I think you said it before. And that was my next question. We better be prepared for cyber warfare. Uh-huh. We have a lot of warnings. We've learned, unfortunately, as Canadians, that stuff we thought government was prepared for, like pandemics, they were not. Mm-hmm. Are you, what are you seeing here, Carmi? Are we prepared I mean, we're kind of bracing ourselves for disappointment here, and we would be forgiven for being so pessimistic, I think. Yeah, I hate to sound overly negative because that's not the kind of person I am, but I I don't think that we're prepared as well as we probably should be. I don't think that we prioritize it. I think think security or digital security is almost like insurance. No one pays attention to it until we really need it, Mm -hmm. until after a disaster happens. And I think that's what's happening here, too, is I don't, sometimes I feel like I'm screaming into the wind. You know, we've got to take this more seriously. And I just, you know, I, the, the response I get, shrugs, and then everyone just goes back to their lives. And so I, I really do think, like, for example, the government, when they're setting their IT budgets, I think a good question for them is, what percentage of all, of all this money you're spending on technology is being allocated towards cybersecurity, towards toughening our infrastructure, towards training those hundreds of thousands of people who work for the government? to be more resistant to this kind of thing. Where, where That money should be going to that, and it isn't. We need answers now. Uh, and, and and I think, and I've been screaming about this for years, and I don't feel I'm getting the answers, uh, but it's, it's kind of like drinking and driving. You know you're not going to solve it tomorrow, but you still got to raise the flag, and you still got to let folks know this is a problem. It's bad. It's going to get worse. We need to change our behaviors, or we're unfortunately going to be exposing ourselves to risk that we could have avoided if we were a little bit smarter. Carmi, in this story south of the border, it really has 
everything. And I'm not happy to see what the results are. I mean, look at look at the stuff that we're learning. We'll get into the tech part and the scary part and get your opinion in a moment, though. But Carmi, I'm sure you're seeing what I am. We're learning stuff that maybe we shouldn't know. The Pentagon documents say that Taiwan is so vulnerable. If there's a, a airstrike from China, it just seems every hour we're finding about one more thing, who the Pentagon, who the United States was monitoring. And then we have the story, 21-year-old National Guardsman leaking this in your prevy here, Carmi, <laughs> online, on a chat room. What do you make of this story, considering what you do, Carmi? Well, it's, it's disturbing because I think it sends a message to the rest of us that our general approach to securing our most sensitive information, our most sensitive documents is not enough. Um, this is a perfect example of what I like to call an insider threat. So the, 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 the individual who's accused of leaking them, his name is Jack Texera. He's 21 years old. He, he's a low-ranking IT support guy with uh, with the National Guard, uh, based out of a uh, National Guard based in, in Massachusetts, Otis Air, Force, Otis Air Force Base. And basically what he does, he fixes computers. He makes sure that systems are available. And one of the systems that uh, is in use at this base, as, is at, as it is at the Pentagon, throughout all the military infrastructure around the world, is known as JWICS, or Joint Worldwide Communication. It's like the Internet for the Defense Department. So basically, when you are sharing briefing documents that explain, we think Taiwan is vulnerable, we know that there were more Chinese balloons, here's some more information on them. That is how all this information gets documented and shared. It's how the U.S. military, a global organization, keeps up to date and let's make sure that everyone knows what's going on. But only the people who need to know, with top secret clearance, have access to this JWIC system. It's incredibly secretive. The problem here is, as we all know, you bring your laptop in to get repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you trust that the person who's doing the repair uh, is not going to go snooping around on the hardware? Yeah, line? talk That's to Hunter it. Biden as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm oversimplifying here, but the reality yeah, is, is true. This is a kid who had the keys to the kingdom, and there the checks and balances to make sure that once he was granted access, that access, that he wouldn't abuse it clearly weren't there. They weren't double checking. It was almost like, oh, I got in from the front door with my with my key. Now I kind of have the run of the place. I can do what I want. And so if I'm the Pentagon, if I'm the U.S. military, I'm looking at my procedures and going, oh my God, they're clearly not adequate because basically this kid was able to download a ton of information. And then when he went home, he probably threw it on a, on a flash drive, went home and started sharing it on Discord, on, on other social media platforms where it sat for months. I know that's said, hey, that's the second. incredible part too, isn't it? It's was that it was just sitting there, and mm-hmm. these kids kind of looked up to this guy as a hero. They're on this chat room, and he says, "Oh no, this is real stuff." And then finally, one of them starts to leak leak the leaks, and yeah. the rest is history. But I want to ask you about this because it ties it. Here we are back into those chat rooms. So often Mm -hmm. stuff, we learn stuff or things happen in them. And then now I'm reading, I just read a piece in the Wall Street Journal before we went to air here, that they monitored what they were talking about. And there were slurs Mm -hmm. and racial slurs. And I mean, there's there's kind of a template there, isn't there, uh, Carmi? We often talk about the danger of these things. And we know that people are supposed to be watching out for all of our safeties. They're supposed to be monitoring them. But this just shows the power of those chat, chat rooms as well. 
It certainly does. You know, the, the, the problem is it's one of scale, right? Are we mm-hmm. able to monitor the ocean for every last drop of yeah, water that's true. in it? You know, there, there's no way to protect ourselves from all the things that are going on in the ocean. You sort of, you have to sort of put your blinkers on, your blinders on, and focus only on the things that are an immediate threat. Very easy to, in retrospect, to go, oh, it was sitting in that Discord chat room for months. We should have known. No, because do we know how many chat rooms there are out there on the internet? Like, in order to find things, to trigger them, mm-hmm. very, very difficult. And so I think in hindsight, we, we should have been able to see it. But in reality, there is probably lots of other very sensitive information floating around. But because of the, the challenge of what I like to call discoverability, it's hard to know that it's a problem until you know that it's a problem. And so I think that's really the, the, the problem here is that our national interest, the U.S. national interest in particular, signals intelligence, uh, the NSA, their tools simply aren't powerful enough to scan the entire Internet and find those threats as they pop up or, or take a look at something that someone posted and said, wow, that looks like it came from the Pentagon. That's highly classified. You should investigate. Um, it isn't that easy, and it really does show how difficult a job the military does, how difficult the job law enforcement has, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, CFIS and CSC in Canada, all of these agencies are basically trying to police the universe. Uh, and it's very hard to find that one threat that is you know, immediate. Uh, it's very easy to miss it because there's so many things that you could be focusing on at any and, given time. And and the incredible part about it, it is, you know, earlier this week, I talked with one of the the reporters for Bellingcat that got in there and did a lot mm-hmm. of the breaking reporting on this. And he was telling me, I could not believe here I am talking to some 16 year old, 16, 17 years old. And they're the ones that have been looking at this. I mean, I didn't see this coming, Carmi. I don't know if you did. But then, I, again, I mean, I bet tomorrow morning when those documents now are getting combed through, you know, whether it's it's the New York Times, Washington Post, whether or not it's the Wall Street Journal, they are all getting their hands on this. The world is vulnerable now, and a bunch of teenage kids finally leaked the leaker. Exactly. And, and so, you know, I think we, we, we can be sure that over the next few days and weeks, we're going to continue to discover more from this trove of documents as uh, experts continue to comb through them and discover sort of nuggets that they then share. And I think also we need to look at the community within those chat groups. It, it was a bunch of kids who kind of saw it. And here you have the original leaker, this 21-year-old Air National, you know, National Guardsman, um, who's looking for notoriety. He wants people to believe in their, their messages and where he said, it is legit, really, trust me. And so he's not some, wasn't some super spy. He was just some kid, uh, you know, barely a kid himself, who's looking for acceptance within a, a, a shadowy peer group online. And how many of us have, have, have seen that play out in chat rooms that we've been a part of? That's the way the game is played in the digital space. You're always trying to sort of one-up everyone else and get the attention. And clearly, this is a kid who craves attention. He wasn't trying to start an international incident. He just wanted people to go, wow, that's really neat. Where'd you get that? Which is insane, considering just how sensitive this information is. And I'm really guessing that when all is said and done at the Pentagon and the U.S. Department of Defense, heads are going to roll by the time this is over. There's going to be an overhaul. There needs to be one. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.
For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs> 